0: Welcome to Innovating Music, a podcast from the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation. I'm your host, Dr. Gigi Johnson. We've covered all sorts of new market spaces here on this podcast, in this streaming era. Rocket Songs is an interesting one that is co-founded by Jonathan Stone. They take songs by vetted songwriters, old and new, and connect them with singers around the world looking for that next great song for their YouTube video, for their talent show competition, for their next EP release, and creates this marketplace in a growing streaming market and a potentially high growth international streaming music market. Jonathan joined us via Skype and enjoy our conversation about all of the things that Rocket Songs is up to.
1: Rocket Songs was an idea that we had about three or four years ago, and it was really to provide a way to connect the professional music business, songwriting, and publisher community with all of those independent artists and singers out there who don't write or can't write their own songs.
0: So which are you? Are you either of those? Are you a technologist? Where where are you standing? I'm maybe? not
1: a songwriter, okay. but I am a professional music publisher and have been one my entire life. Okay, And I've worked for quite a few of the major corporations. Ultimately started my own independent publishing company called Radar Music with writers on staff in the traditional music publishing sense. Along comes technology and all of these new kind of music websites and everybody kind of scurrying about trying to figure out, hey, what can we do with this? My idea was to, uh, as I say, try and figure out a way to show, pitch, song plug, whatever whatever kind of term you want to use to expose all of those great professionally written songs to all the singers, the independent singers around the world who don't have access don't have a way of hearing that material because they don't live in a in a major music area. So it was really just to provide a service. It wasn't meant as a disruptor or something that we felt was changing some proven model or anything like that. It was just to kind of provide a service because I thought a lot of these writers and publishers would love to get their songs recorded.
0: Well, also there's more of a marketplace for people to the, of all sizes and shapes to get that song out where the doorway wasn't as wide before.
1: Yeah, well, it was, it was very B2B back in those days. I mean, everything that was done in this area of music publishing and exposing your catalogs or your libraries to quote unquote singers that were looking for outside songs was all done B2B. It was all done by, the professionals at the publishing companies calling the record producers directly or the record companies and saying, "Hey, I've got some songs that I'd like to pitch you for uh, Tina Turner or whoever it was." And uh, Celine Dion. It, for in the most in most cases, it was to pitch songs, to play songs for singers that would accept outside material. Now, obviously, you wouldn't play these songs, written by professional songwriters to artists that were self-contained, you know, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles all those folks, they only recorded songs that they wrote almost exclusively. Historically, the way the music business started, it was all like this. In other words, literally, when the music business started around the turn of the century, the other century, 1900 (laughs) or so, it was that century, Kids, kids and friends and neighbors, it was all about songwriters. And it was all about, in fact, music publishers were in existence before record companies were. And record companies came along really with the advent of Edison and the players that could actually, those old-time players that could actually play a, a cylinder a vinyl. Prior to that, music publishers go back to the middle 1800s. People a would, lot
0: of it when people uh, were able to mass-produce sheet music and mass-produce pianos.
1: That's it. That's how it all started. That's basically how the music business started, was with publishers. Publishers were the record company back in those days, and that it all kind of sort of evolved to the way it is now. But cut to more modern, uh, modern era, all singers, when you're getting into the 30s and 40s, none of them wrote their own songs. The Sinatras, the, the Dean Martins, even prior to that, the Billy Holidays and all of these sort of you know, 30s and 40s, they were all written by professionals by professional songwriters until the 50s along came the 50s and really the early 60s we began to get the self-contained artist which is pretty much what it has evolved to where almost all artists these days now write their own songs that being said there's still a large market and a large community of singers out there who don't write their own material or who do accept outside songs and let's face it, the old axiom, it all begins with a song has never been more true. And you need a great song if you wanna have a hit record. This, this business thrives of professional songwriters providing originally written material, either for use in film and television and commercial, or for other artists to perform, or they put themselves into situations to where they collaborate with these artists who do write their own material, but amongst all of that and all of this great grand universe of you know songwriting and publishing there still is the original idea of an artist recording an outside song that they didn't write at all but that they just think is a hit song this still happens all the time today there are still examples of songs on the radio or songs being streamed or anywhere where the artist that's singing that song didn't write it and these days there's still a a need for that and particularly as you cut to the new millennium and what's going on today and the internet and the and shows like american idol and the voice and america's got talent and all the all of these artists that are trying to get attention on youtube all these artists are doing at the moment they're doing cover songs they're doing versions of bruno mars of ariana grande of britney spears they're doing cover versions of Chainsmokers, what to try and get views and to just create a channel that ultimately gets, generates revenue. So that's part of this new model, this new indie world model that we're living in where anybody and everybody can be their own record company and be their own A&R person, whether they like it or not. It's sort of the good news and the bad news, but nonetheless, you can do it. And uh, somewhere along the way, you probably, if you're not a hit songwriter, which none of them are, nobody starts out their career being a hit songwriter. They start out maybe singing really good, They might have a fantastic voice, but they, you know, and and, because you can find five-year-olds and six-year-olds these days that just can sing their (laughs) their heads off. But all even artists like that, artists like that, particularly, are going to need to try and find a great original song to record at some point. So that's what we're doing. We're trying to really kind of be the A and R department for the internet, the A&R department for the new music ecosystem that's out there these days with everybody being independent and everybody signing up to iTunes or TuneCore or 1 RPM and distributing their own product. Well, by gosh, they're probably going to need a hit song or they'd be wise to try and find a great song that suits them that they could make their own.
0: So this is a bit different than um i'm i'm very well aware of the whole cover song side and the gigantic volumes of cover songs being done on youtube and the the appropriate way that people should be going in theory or in reality to harry fox and getting stuff cared for and then other people who've got businesses that are clearing covers oh yes this is
1: boy you're up on it you're up on it
0: (laughs) (laughs) this is kind of a whole new world out there it's a that's a very robust world that a lot of people totally ignore exist until they find out that they can't get revenue off their song on youtube and suddenly they're amazed And and we actually work to try to make sure that folks and especially our students know that that's that's not the best avenue to start down. But that's a totally different market than you're talking about. You're talking about, hi, I am a um, local artist that, yes, I write my own stuff, but it's not really where I want to go on things or I don't write my own stuff at all. And I really would like to move forward to find music. But most of my friends who write songs are not phenomenal. And so I'm really looking at how to step my game up. That's mostly your marketplace, or is it also existing singers who are looking to build stuff out to their next album, but knowing that they can have a much, or I should say, what's this album thing? They're putting out their next track, and um, they're not necessarily building out. I mean, the the Nielsen. We're right now in July. The Nielsen mid-year numbers came out and showed how much worse the albums are doing again this year. So I'm right. I'm instead having to put out a track every so often and i'm really looking to sort of feed the beast because there's now this whole streaming environment and i'm not just going to do my own stuff and stuff that i have access to and covers it, what are you really sort of seeing what's the
1: ecosystem so far it's both it's really both it is our our audience is is i will tell you it's extremely international we're in 80 countries. We have members from 80 countries. So there's a lot of folks that are very interested in finding English speaking, quote, pop commercial type music, which is sort of what we kind of specialize in. We have all different kinds of music on the site, but we do have lots of universal sound pop music that would play anywhere. But we have lots of members that are beginners, as you described, people that, you know, they don't write great songs. Their friends don't write great songs. And we have a lot of existing DIYers, I guess you could say, that are doing everything themselves, that are booking themselves, that are putting out their own albums, that need to feed the beast, as you say. They need more material. They they constantly are putting out product and they're constantly booking themselves. And they love the fact that there's a place they can go and great and and find great original songs from some of, say, the best country writers in Nashville that they can adapt and put into their shows and go off and to perform. And those folks, those existing artists, now these aren't artists that are major artists on record deals, but these sort of do-it-yourselfers, they sometimes will come in and license 15, 20, 30 songs to incorporate into their sets and or into their product that they're releasing you know, that's really what a lot of our audience is. And to that end, one of the things that has evolved for us, which is really, I think, where Rocket Songs and where this concept that we've originally come up with, where I think it's pivot, I think is a strong word, but where I think it's evolving to our business and what it's evolving to and what will probably other companies, when other companies start doing what we're doing, this is, what I'm gonna tell you right now is probably gonna be where they're gonna jump in. What's happened is people are coming to our website and they're hearing those versions of songs that people write, they're hearing these, these songs and they like that version. In other words, they want to license the version that they're hearing. They want to put their vocal right on top of the digital master tracks. And this is something that's certainly done in the professional music industry all the time, where somebody will go in and produce a demo or a uh, master demo, and they'll play it for the producer or they'll play for their artist, and they'll go, gee, you did such a good job. We'd like to buy those tracks from you and then we're going to spend a few more weeks or months building on this basic track that you've already created, but we just want to buy you out of those rights. So that's done quite a bit. What we're doing is we created a license where people can license the master files, not buy them, but they license a digital master file in perpetuity. They can have it to use for, as I say, in perpetuity, but they can then take it into their own studio, have the best possible quality recording that they can get. They save themselves the time. Hopefully the the track is already in their key. I mean, if it's not, there's some manipulation that can be done to adjust things up, a half key up or down. But for the most part, just so many songs, we have so many, you can generally find things in your key. And they take those, those master tracks, with obviously without the lead vocal and put their vocal on and add to it and release it. And voila, as they say, they've got, you know, instant, instant full blown master recording. They don't have to go into their local studio. They don't have to try and find those kinds of musicians. They don't have to spend you know, the amount of time that it takes to put together a quote unquote, real recording session. If you're not a, a talented programmer or somebody that knows five or six musicians, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of work. We're licensing these master tracks, and this is a a much more expensive product for us. It's a master file license, so it's more expensive. You're getting a full-blown record. So that's where we're headed, and that's already become our most successful product, are these actual digital master files. I will only add to that is the reason that that's exciting is because it's the first time that these digital master files in the music industry have been licensed as a product. They've been sold before to labels, but nobody's ever done a session and said, gee, uh, I better, uh, keep these digital master files around because there might be somebody that might want to to license. I know people want to license my music for film and TV, and so I'll send them a two-track wave or I'll send them a two-track MP3, and I know all about that sync licensing business, but you mean somebody might want to actually license the digital master files uh, so they, they're vocal on that? Hmm, that's a whole other song product, so to speak. and nobody's done that. Nobody's done it. They've sold them. There are people that have said, hey, I'll sell you my master's. But nobody's, and and mostly that's done uh, with labels and such. But, you know, hey, if somebody produces a session, somebody might come along and say, I want to buy the session. I want to just purchase that outright. No one's ever done a license for them. That's just taken off for us. And as you can imagine, somebody sitting in Boise, Idaho, and they hear an amazing session on our website, and they can, for $695, they can own it, license it in perpetuity. That's pretty cool.
0: So let me back up half a step then. So in in the more bare bones version of this, or the I'm listening to this track, and I think, hey, this is a really great song, and I would like to record it, that they are paying what, and then who gets what share of ongoing revenue?
1: (laughs) it's not any different than what happens when any artist records a song we're not we're not changing anything about how the music industry works all we're doing is we're providing access to these masters and access to these songs the the money and and you're paying a license fee we're effectively becoming a, a licensing type of company we've created these licenses that our content partners agree to let us do you know we have agreements with all of our content partners people that give us these songs they say i'm giving you the right rocket songs to license my content in this way all of the other ideals and precepts of the music industry are still in place if somebody records one of these songs they have an obligation to pay streaming to pay mechanical uh to the extent that these songs are released on the radio or wherever ASCAP and BMI still will collect on your behalf so if you have if somebody records one of your songs through rocket songs and it's a big hit you're still going to get your performance income as long as you as the publisher or the writer have properly registered the song in its most simplest term we're basically kind of an independent song plugger and we're just pitching your songs and we're offering a license that allows people to do that, to record them and to use them. They can either re-record the songs from scratch. We give a license for that all the way up to licensing the full-on digital master files. In between, they can get an instrumental mix. They can get a wave mix. They can do different things. They can put their songs on exclusive hold with us if they want. So there's a variety of things that people can do, but there's nothing new in here in terms of there are obligations to pay streaming, mechanical, all of of that stuff. If somebody's going to come to our site and act like a record company and put out their own product, then they have to act like a record company, just like everybody else does. When you go up and you sign up, you sign an account at iTunes or TuneCore for digital distribution, they pay you and you have a responsibility unless you've made a different arrangement with their administration department. A lot of those folks have got publishing administration departments now, unless you want them, like CD Baby does this, unless you want them to handle your publishing administration, they'll do that, and take 15% of the revenue, but you have to act like a pub. And, and as you become a member to our site, you agree to all of those things. We track all those things. And if somebody doesn't do that, then you know, they get a slap on the wrist from us.
0: So you're not interjecting yourself and I'm I'm restating the obvious but you're not interjecting yourself in any of the follow-on streams you are again being the song plugger front end you're not getting any upside either from this so if a song does really well you are not tracking skimming making money making a percentage off of the future revenue you are creating a liquidity environment and a matchmaking environment just on the front end
1: well, there are two models that we deal with. The answer to your question to that is yes. But in all, in all uh, full disclosure here, one of our early models was that we would also have a, a receive a 25% participation in performance income. But we stopped doing that because not for any particular reason, but it just became kind of clunky. It just seemed like, hey, we're getting 50% of the revenue, and there are plenty of independent song representation companies that take 50 percent of the upfront revenue and a piece of the publishing we decided that our model just was better suited to just be taking 50 percent of our upfront licensing revenue and that's it that's all we take everyone keeps 100 percent of the publishing to make a long story short yes everyone keeps 100 percent of their publishing revenue it's all theirs we don't come in and take any of any any of their revenue
0: so are you then exclusive with these folks or do you anticipate? Not
1: exclusive. Yeah. We're non exclusive. You can do anything you want to do. All you're doing is you're putting your music up on our site and by invitation only. Everything's vetted. I mean, you can anybody. We want people to present their music to us, but we reserve the right to, to not accept it. We just to keep our quality as high as it is. I mean, if anybody surfs around on our website within you know, five minutes, you go, oh, my gosh, these, these songs sound like they could be hits. Uh, the quality is, is very high that's really most most important to us is that we've got you know a very high quality product out there
0: we're at this really interesting point where the velocity of change is pretty staggering that the uh, the growth in streaming music is pretty astronomical you know at really robust double digit rates on a year over year basis right now and the number of tracks coming to market and getting ingested into the systems is gigantic. So you guys are at a, a really interesting liquidity point in this changing marketplace. Do you see this continuing to change at this rate? And where do you see the change in need for what you're building to come from?
1: I don't know that anything that can continue at this rate forever. It's sort of like, it's these early days of all of this still, you know, we're still in the first decades of, of what the internet is, the effect that the internet is having on the music industry. And, and more recently, really just in the past couple of years, has everybody really started to realize the benefits of the streaming revenue. It's basically gone from the conversations I was having with all of my music industry peers was, going back 15 years to where this is the death of the music industry. Yeah. This, the internet and Napster and all those things, this is, it's over. The dream is over. And and you could look at the numbers and they sort of bore that out. You know, you'd look at that and see, you know, massive drop off in revenue in the music industry. And there's all, all these files floating around that everyone now no one's ever going to walk into a record store again. Well, that part of it's kind of true. <laughs> you know. People don't walk into record stores anymore. I always contended, and I had a boss at the time who, dear, near and dear friend and mentor of mine, who really just felt like it was the gloom and doom, but I always contended that they will have to figure it out. There'll have to be some way to figure it out, and it's not just going to be... The only way you can make money in the music industry is by playing live gigs it's just not going to come to that record companies are going to figure out a way to make money publishers are going to figure out a way to make money it isn't just going to be a live business which is what everyone kind of which is where it actually went for a while and that's when live nation blew up and all these you know booking agencies and talent management agencies really blew up and and they still do well you know they finally figured it out, and in the more or less, in the past two or three years. And the next thing that's coming, to my way of thinking, is is the international licensing world. There have been years and years and years of abuse of the rights of film, television, and out of the arts, really internationally. And they're starting to, you know, now you've got Russia coming around, Russia, you're starting to get some licensing revenue out of Russia. Now, China, the last stronghold of the biggest abuser of all of licensing revenue, you know, they'll they'll put out product and then never pay. And Latin America was also a gigantic user of music, but it was very difficult to get paid out of those markets. So that's the next big wave once that finally gets figured out and they all want to i mean the government's all they want to do the right thing is all of the global economies have sort of realized the benefits of trade and and being able to properly license this kinds of art the benefits for everybody and they all kind of want to do the right thing that's that's the next big way but they they finally got it and on the road to figuring it out you know the really interesting thing for us has just been when we see Anybody come in from a foreign country, we just are amazed. We just think, oh, this is, you know, because we can tell when people sign up, They we ask for uh, what region or territory or country that they're registering from. And so we get that information, and it has become a big part of of our business. We've figured out a way to create access to this kind of American or English-speaking material that a lot of people want because, It's kind of the universal language. I mean, pop music, put it to you like this, pop music plays everywhere. Pop music is universal. Country music isn't, rap really isn't. R&B music, uh, hip hop kind of can be, hip hop certainly can be. Pop music is popular in every country in the world. Generally speaking, you know, Adele will do well everywhere, right? There's not anywhere, whereas you wouldn't say that about I don't know, pick pick whatever country or even a Reba McIntyre, for instance, you know, she wouldn't necessarily be a big star in in the same areas that uh, somebody else would. So we are aware of that. And so the content that we try to focus on or that our primary content that we focus on is bringing in, you know, really quality, quote unquote, pop material. And that's, that's a big bucket that pop can mean a lot of different things. That being said, we have All different genres on our site. Those are where I focus my sort of analytics and figuring out, well, this is interesting. These people from this territory are taking this kind of music. We'll repitch a customer. If we think that she's liked a particular kind of music, then we'll say, you liked this. Here's three other songs that we have found on our site that you might like as well.
0: Well, Let's say I'm... um Jane, songwriter in the United States, our song, and I'd like to put my song into this. I'm going to send you a series of of master tracks that is a, essentially demos of each song, and you're going to listen to them or your people will listen to them and decide which of them goes up. Uh, I don't pay a fee for that at all, and I have no, that it's available. free. Okay. And so then I put my material up, and then I, in theory, I'm going to get then a no fee up front for agreeing to use my song, but I will get a, a royalty stream thereafter after that song is recorded, dependent on how it does.
1: You're going to get half of the licensing revenue. Let's just say your song is licensed for $10 to make it really easy, you're going to get five of those dollars. Rocket Songs is going to keep the other five dollars. That's going to be your main source of income with us is going to be your upfront licensing revenue. Make no mistake about it. One of the ideas and, and really the beauty of the site is if your songs are up with us, you're going to get paid whether or not your song's a hit or not. If somebody licenses your song, they're paying a license upfront. Now, if the song goes on to be a hit, you get additional revenue just like you do if anybody records your song and it's a hit. It's no different. It's streaming. It's mechanical. It's performance. It's sync. If somebody takes that song that they found on our site and, they, and somehow that track gets synced into something, you've got a whole another income revenue producing situation there. And that's what songs are. Every song is its own little income generating thing. It's its own little company in a sense, but you have to get it out there. And it just really, it's not even a tangible thing that you can really hold anymore these days, especially in the digital world. It's just this little piece of recorded something and you put it out there and you put it to work and you have to make it available and you have to, if it just sits on your shelf at home and you don't do anything with this stuff then nothing's going to happen but if you put it out into these different platforms whether you want to do cover versions of songs and put them up on YouTube or whether you want to take your songs and try and get sync usages there's lots of companies out there these days that provide that kind of service if you want to do that you can go do that hey here's something else you can do you can try and make your material available to other artists to record your songs. And if it works, you're gonna make revenue, you're gonna make income. If it doesn't work, you're gonna get paid upfront licensing fees. In the old days, you would have loved for people to record your song, but they never paid you to take their song into the studio. You just pitched them the song and hoped that it was a hit. What we've done is we've created, we're asking for a licensing fee because we're aggregating all of this music. We're putting it up in a library. We're making it available. We're spending our time and energy to even have this service available. So yes, you have to pay a licensing fee. In addition to that, if you wanna go the next step and actually license the masters, then that's an actual sort of a tangible product that we're offering also. That's kind of, uh, upsell sounds kind of cold, but I mean, that's kind of one of the the upsells on our side is that someone might wanna license these masters. Maybe not. Maybe they just want to re-record the song from scratch, and so we'll give them a license to do that. But all of that revenue is split 50/50 with our content partner. And on top of that, you just might have a hit, or you just might make some additional revenue from the song coming out, that version, and actually becoming a hit or becoming making some noise somewhere.
0: So you you guys are stepping into to one. A place to add liquidity and connectivity. What are other things that you see might be other spaces
1: where there's gaps and holes? Um, Gee, I I, You know what? I I don't really spend a lot of time thinking about that because they'll they'll present themselves Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it's sort of water finds its own level and you know, if there's if there's uh, a, a, an opportunity to be had, somebody's gonna come up with it. And the interesting thing about this, all of this change that's come about in the past 20 years, the people that came up with it weren't people like me. They weren't traditional music business people. I've been in the music business for 30 years. Everybody that's brought up brought about this major change in this music industry, none of them were people in the music industry. They were all outsiders they were the Apples, they were the Spotify's, they were, you know, whatever other, and at the time, MySpace, none of those guys were in the music business. They came up with a technology that allowed them to do something, and it just turned everybody upside down. I think that probably it'll come from better being able to track and license those things, you know, that's really what it's come down to now. You kind of think, how many more ways can they come up with to exploit music you know you've got spotify you've got pandora now digitally anybody can digitally distribute your song overnight around the world anybody can do that you now can get your song played uh, and performed more or less around the world by putting it up in all of these different websites and platforms and you know there's never been so much possibility in that way so to me it's probably the marketing and the branding part of things that you know that's the next to me that's the next big thing i don't see anybody that's really figured out a way for all these do-it-yourselfers to really property market and brand themselves and to sort of stand out from the from the herd now there's such a herd yeah you know there's such a pack of artists out there and there's so many people so what are you going to do to get noticed well i could go try B on a I know on a talent show that's still really viable that's been around for hundreds of years talent shows ain't nothing new i can put my stuff up on youtube i can distribute i can do cover songs on youtube that's all new stuff that's all stuff you couldn't do 20 years ago you either got yourself a record deal or forget about it or you weren't going to happen you had to get yourself a major record deal or you weren't going to go anywhere in the music industry well that's not true anymore so that's fantastic it's a great time the bad news is there's thousands, and if not millions of them out there. And how do you separate yourself from the pack? That's incredibly difficult. And so to me, it's the marketing of these things. It's, it's what it is and, and how you do that. And of course, your product has to be good. You really aren't going to do any good, really, if you're not very good, you know, and some people get that. Some people pick up the feedback and they go, gee, you know, I'm not, you know, I I guess I'm not as good as I thought I was. And they move on. And some people just don't, some people will, will keep persevering and and that's fantastic. That's what you certainly can do. It's hard to try and separate yourself. And I think one of the ways people have done that to survive has been through synchronization. And so that's been a real boon to the industry.
0: Well, anything else that you'd like to say before we wrap up this podcast?
1: I think I've said enough. (laughs) It's been great.
0: Well, you have a very interesting twist on an on an old set of challenges, so I think that's exciting. Look forward to seeing where all of this goes. Thanks for joining us. Well, that wraps up this podcast. Many thanks to the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation for being our hosts of this ongoing series. You can subscribe to us in all the usual places. Or you can come find us at innovation.schoolofmusic.ucla.edu. Join us again to follow the other adventures that we will be tracking down in innovating music. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. You have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites and you can find those in the show notes.